1: Duke fans, hello and welcome to episode 241 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We hope you all had a great weekend and a wonderful start to this week. On this episode, we have another interview we're going to recap. We will also look back on Duke football's defeat to NC State over the weekend. And we end with a wonderful review that includes a question that will probably have us debate quite a bit. But before we dissect all that, I'm Donald Wine, the host for this week. I had a lovely week in Buffalo. Relaxing with some friends, but now I'm back in Washington, D.C. I have my two co hosts with me. First, Sam in Boston. Hello to you.
4: Hello. I would like to say happy birthday to my father, who turned 66 today. Very excited to celebrate his birthday. I got to see him over the weekend, and that is my personal life update for the day.
1: Awesome. Happy birthday, Mr. Klein. That's awesome. And in Atlanta, we have Jason Evans. Hello, Jason.
3: Hey, I have no birthdays in my family uh, for any weeks coming up. There's nothing happening. It is boring. The weather's getting colder. It's harder to go out and and bike ride every day because it's getting colder. Um, I hate coronavirus.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know what? Because uh, it's funny you mentioned going out and biking. I cannot do that either because I don't have a bike and it's, it's hard to do that in the city. So I got one of those bikes that you put under your desk, except for me, I don't have a desk, so I just get to sit this in front of my couch and I can watch soccer and do a little biking while I r- watch soccer so or, or basketball or any other sport, which is pretty cool.
3: So, so I have a stationary bike and I sometimes watch sports to it, especially Duke sports. And I find I can, uh, you know, I can bang out an hour plus on the exercise cycle while watching a Duke game and not even realize that sweat is pouring off of me. It's yeah. a great way to exercise.
1: Like literally just before we started recording while I was waiting – Uh, for us to kind of get our schedules together, I was just biking. So uh, if if you guys can't see me out there, but Jason can see that I have a little glisten on my face because I just got a nice little 15-minute thing in just before we did this. So we're ready to go. Uh, And we will start with another interview that we have. And this week's media availability by Duke Basketball, Matthew Hurt was on the mic. Jason was there to represent us as reporters asked Hurt about his transformation as a basketball player and his thoughts on the current preseason so far. So here are some of the major nuggets from that interview with Matthew Hurt.
0: Word on the street, you put on a lot of weight since the end of last season, presumably good weight. Can you tell us how that happened during a pandemic and how you see that benefiting your game?
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, I got home around mid-March last year, took like a week or two off uh, since the season ended and, just try to focus on just eating right, eat, eating a lot, and just, just stay working out and lifting. You know, I got with our strength coach, Coach Will, um, three, four times a week, we lifted. Um, so just doing that every day uh, during quarantine, I was lucky enough to find a gym in and in a weight room. So I was blessed with that. So I think just doing that day by day until until I came back uh, back to Duke on on August 2nd uh, was was really a benefit for me.
0: How do you see that impacting your game?
2: I feel like it's going to impact a a big part of my game because, you know, a knock on me was, you know, I was a little lighter uh, guarding the four. People would try to take advantage of me down low. But I feel like this year, uh, especially on defense and also on offense, just like attacking it, um, be stronger with the ball and just taking contact and finishing uh, over, over taller defenders. You
3: see yourself playing more on the blocks?
2: Um. Yeah. You know. I think. I think. Coach has been using me a lot of different ways on the perimeter and the blocks. If there's a mismatch, um, just, just trying to be, just trying to be an attack one all, all game. All right. We'll go to Jason Evans next. Jason, go ahead.
3: Hey, Matt. Jason Evans, Duke Basketball Report podcast. By the way, Jim Sumner just stole like my first three questions. <laughs> so uh, rather than your own uh, individual development, I wanted to talk about the team for a moment. DJ Stewart told us just last week that. When, when I asked him who'd been the most impressive player in practices, he said it was you. So let me ask you the same question. Who do you think has been the most impressive player? Um, you know, who's the guy who's kind of surprising you a little bit when you guys get together and
2: play? Um, for me, I think it's uh, Mark Williams. I think just, you know, seeing him uh, as one of the, like a really, good, a really good shot blocker. You know, I didn't see much of him in high school, but seeing him live and playing against him, you know, a uh, shot blocker, um, you know, he tries to block everything. Um, sometimes he goaltends, but most of, the, most of the time he blocks it. So I think just having that uh, rim present really helps. And then he, he's more skilled than people think. Like, like, he can like, like we can give him the ball and and, and, and he can score a basket for us. So I think Mark Williams really stood out for me in the first couple of weeks of practice.
3: Have there been specific combos of players that you've mostly been working with? Um, I, you know, there's lots of talk and speculation. People are wondering you know, is this going to be a year that Duke plays 10, 11
2: guys? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, we, we have 11 guys that can, can play, you know, significant minutes. Um, it, it's not going to be just a starting five. It's not going to be, you know, a couple got one or two guys off the bench. It's going to be a whole team collective effort uh, for us to win games this year.
3: And that kind of leads me to my last question, and then I'll be done. Um, talk to me about how the team do you think is going to play this year? We've heard a lot of guys talk about playing a little bit faster pace than in the past. Do you, is that what you'd
2: see uh, Duke doing? Yeah, you know, we have, you know, especially the freshman class, you know, we, we can get out in transition, you know, they're all athletic, you know, playing a little faster, getting out and let uh, out, out in transition is really going to benefit us because, you know, we have so many players that could play very well in a lot of minutes. So I think just using our, uh, our, our players that can play and using that to our advantage.
0: Hey, Matt, Josh Graham,
4: Sports Up Triad in Greensboro. Before I get to my question, I just want a clarification on the picking up of weight.
1: It was reported that you picked up 15 pounds. Is that accurate? And was there a coach that challenged you to do
2: so? Uh, right now, uh, playing weight, I'm about 240. Um, so playing weight last year was around 220. So it's about, it's about 220 or about 20 pounds uh, of, of muscle. And then I think, I think it was more like just like being motivated to like get better and, and to see like the feedback uh, from my coaches um, just try to get better uh, during quarantine. And the question I had, what last week coach said on Reddick's podcast that
4: the day of the national championship game at around the time the game would have been tipping off in Atlanta, you guys all got together on a Zoom call and he was wearing a suit and gave you guys a pregame speech. I see you smiling. What do you remember about that speech?
2: Yeah, so so, so that that conversation did happen. You know, he was wearing a suit um, and he was just saying how, like, like like we like we could have been there playing playing for the national championship and just like just saying us how proud we are how proud uh, of of he how he was on us I think so just just hearing that you know and just seeing like constant Facetime calls and phone calls throughout the quarantine really helped you know us as a team uh, as uh, confident. Um yeah you know I think uh, Coach Shire and uh, Coach K I've really preached uh, getting my shot off a lot quicker you know last year you know. My shot wasn't as quick as it should be, but I feel like just getting, uh, getting my shot preparation is, is is a lot, a lot different than it was last year. But yeah, you know, just working on counters, you know, going right, going left, um, having different moves in the post. Um, so just trying to, trying to have a lot of counters because you know the defense is gonna uh, scout, scout me and scout the team. So I think just having different counters is gonna help me. Thank
4: you. Hi, Matt. Thanks for your time. Um, from the five on fives or scrimmages, inter-squad scrimmages, what are some of, or what is the strength? What will be the strength of this team? And can you talk a little bit about the freshman class and what you've seen from them so far?
2: Um, yeah, you know, our strength, you know, I think just, you know, getting stops and getting out in transition. You know, we have a lot of athletic guys on our team, and just just showing what they're capable in transitions is, is very special. Um, and then for the freshman class, you know, each each one of them brings a brings a unique uh, unique skill set. You know, I'll start off with Henry. You know, the energy, rebounding, does a great job with it. Brings it every day. Um, you know, that's what he brings. Mark, you know, shot blocker, can finish, uh, really good lob threat. Uh, as you know, Jalen, you know, out in transition, very special, very special. Um, Jamin really can shoot it, um, can defend, can drive. You know, he he surprised me a lot too. And then, of course, DJ can really shoot, can really handle, can really get to the rim. Um, and then Jeremy, uh, just really good point of guard, really calm, calm point guard. Um, so I think I think our freshman class is uh, was is really good, and I think they don't get as much attention as they should. So I think they're just all really good. All right, Brian Horace, go ahead.
1: Hey Matthew, uh, there was a question about leadership earlier.
0: Has the staff talked to you about what it means to be a leader at Duke?
2: Um, yeah, you know, just, just try to lead lead by example and also lead by talk, especially on the court. Um, because, you know, last year, you know, I, I was pretty quiet, especially on defense. But so this year, you know, I'm just trying to take that next step and just be more comfortable around them. Um, but also just, just leading by example off the court, whether it's uh, classes, whether it's, you know, not missing any meetings, just, just, just trying to, like, let, let the guys know that everything, uh, and everything here is important.
1: And again, thanks to Mike DeGeorge and Duke Basketball for inviting us once again to these media sessions. We really appreciate it. And I know we appreciate Matthew Hurt taking the time to answer some questions. We'll get Jason's take on what he heard during the interview in a few, but I wanted to bring in Sam first. Sam, what part stood out to you about what Matthew Hurt said?
4: Well, I liked the way that Jason Evans prompted him with Matthew, we heard from other players that you are the most improved player on the team. Who is impressing you the most? So, Jason, I liked the setup on that. But then his answer was also very intriguing when he started talking about Mark Williams. Because when we were coming into the offseason, I think we we all really wanted to highlight Jalen Johnson. And to a lesser extent, Jeremy Roach is kind of the, the standout guys in this class. But it feels like over the summer watching little video clips getting that stuff from Duke men's basketball and then also hearing from some of the players it seems that Mark Williams has been very impressive to this point and i cannot wait now to see him in a duke uniform you know hopefully he can take 15 minutes a game or so at center and and be really effective blocking shots and and changing up the game duke doesn't have another player, I think, who who has his versatility. I think we're all excited to see what Patrick Toppe can do, but hopefully we have realistic expectations for him. He's a transfer from the Ivy League, so if he was going to be a star, I think we would have known it by now in his college career. Mark Williams is fresh and new and I think could be a huge contributor for Duke this year, especially after hearing guys like Matthew Hurt talk so highly of how he's performed thus far. Yeah, well, and to me, it's also impressive that
3: he mentioned Jamin Brakefield as someone who, you know, is surprising with his shooting touch and his athleticism. Um, For for Matthew Hurt to to single out those two guys, um, you know, it it just surprised me. It's weird because the recruiting rankings. I mean, Sam, you brought it up. We really thought that Jalen Johnson was going to be the you know, the stud from this freshman class. And not saying he won't be, but it's kind of weird. We just keep on hearing about some of these other guys, and it it, it really speaks to something else that Matthew talked about, which is the depth. This is going to be an incredibly deep team. No question about that.
4: If any of Williams, Jamin Breakfield, Patrick Tappé, or Henry Coleman are providing Duke 15 minutes a game, that really helps Jalen Johnson and Matthew Hurt in in terms of the the workload that's expected from them, I think Duke fans can look ahead to this season and say, all right, Matthew Hurt has some experience at the college level. Jalen Johnson doesn't. I don't think either of them can project to play much more than 30 minutes a game. So that's still another 20 minutes that you need out of big bodies to to round out the team. If Mark Williams is taking a big chunk of that, I think that gives us a lot of peace of mind about where this team is going.
3: And toward that end... There were so many questions and so much talk on, on that phone call with reporters about the weight that Matthew Hurt has gained. And, and I loved hearing him talk about how it, it allows him to play differently in the post, um, you know, that he's worked on his ability to move and, uh, you know, be better positioned on the floor. He talked about his base um, that's such an important thing for a big man playing in the post. Uh, look, we, we know Matthew Hurt is going to be a dynamite lights-out shooter. And by the way, I didn't include it um, you know, in the sound that we just played for all of you, but at one point he did address the question of who's the better shooter, him, Joey Baker, or DJ Stewart. And like Joey and DJ, he refused to weigh in. It's like none of these guys want to admit which one of them is the best. I think none of them know which one's the best shooter, but boy, what a great situation to be in. Um, I, but I, I just loved... Um, that, that that Matt talked a lot. Matthew talked a lot about his ability to handle this extra 20 pounds, how it's changing his game a little bit. And I want to point out something real important that he mentioned. Um, again, I don't think I included it in the sound, but he talked about Duke wanting to switch one through four or one through five. One through five, he said. I think that's a recognition on the part of Matthew Hurt. He's going to play some five for this team. He's going to be the biggest player on the floor at times for Duke. He is prepared to guard ACC big men, and Duke is prepared to switch every single guy. It's something that's not easy to do. You cannot do that when you have Mark Williams on the floor, but it's, per, it's perhaps possible you can do it when you have Matthew Hurt as your big man. It'll be a really interesting thing to see on defense and, and, and the speed at which Duke can play. If you have guys who can switch like that, it allows you to play offensively and defensively much faster.
1: I remember... I, I remember... You know, we had talked about his versatility when the news first came out that he had done the Lucy, you know, Juicy Lucy diet and gained the twenty pounds. Uh, He put it at around twenty pounds, I think. His dad said twenty six or whatever. But you know, you know, one or two Juicy Lucy off uh, margin of error here. But the versatility of him being able to guard multiple guys is going to be what helps this team because we were looking for that last year at times, and because he couldn't really defend the five very well the versatility wasn't as prevalent. So now that you have that option to put him from any, on any guy on the court, that really – we can play a big lineup, we can play a small lineup, and he can be out there. I do want to touch on uh, one thing that I thought was interesting. He, he talked about how the coaching staff wanted him to get his shot off quicker and wanted him to work on that in the offseason. Now, if you go back to before he came to Duke, when he was recruited, he mentioned – that he had a quick trigger. We mentioned that too, that he could set his feet, get his shot off very fast. We also mentioned last year that he wasn't doing that, that his release was more methodical, but it was slower. So it's interesting that they focused on him getting his shot off faster. That will be important if we're going to be, as all these guys have mentioned in these interviews we've seen, A fast team in transition, moving the ball around, that's going to require guys to get their shot off quickly. If he can speed up his release and make that with pretty good consistency, it makes him that much more of a scoring threat every night. And when it comes to all these guys, if you see him running down the flank or running down the middle, you're not going to know where the ball is going to. And I think that's going to play in the Duke's hands very well.
3: Yeah, and one of the things he said, Donald, that somewhat relates to that, and again, I, I apologize to folks. I have all these things that he said that I couldn't include in the in the bits of sound that we that we excerpted for all of you to listen to, um, but one of the things he mentioned was you talked about getting down the floor. He talked about putting his head down and getting to his spot on the wing on fast breaks to put up threes. He, he specifically talked about Duke shooting threes in transition, and that that's something they've been working on in practice. I think you're going to see a lot of that from this team. Three points, better than two points. And in transition, you're probably going to be more open than in a regular half-court offense. And it sounds like this Duke team is really focused on getting these great shooters that we have, more shooters than we've had in recent years, getting them to the spots where they can get open threes and bury other teams.
1: And if you want to learn more about some of the other quotes that we weren't able to pull from uh, this interview, I know Duke basketball releases the quotes uh, from selected quotes from this interview you'll see a lot that we have played but you'll see others that didn't make this episode on GoDuke.com on the basketball web page they like to release those after they release these interviews so again thank you to duke basketball and to matthew hurt for taking the time to speak with reporters and with us about this upcoming season Okay, guys, we will talk more about basketball in a little bit, but I want to shift gears to Duke football. They went over to Carter-Finley Stadium last weekend to play the NC State Wolfpack, and it was a game that saw Duke play pretty well to start the game. We had a halftime lead, and then we were shut out in the second half by the Wolfpack. The final score, NC State 31, Duke 20. Duke drops to 1-5 and five on the season. They have a bye this weekend before they host Charlotte on Halloween in their only non-conference matchup of the season. Jason, I will go to you first. What did you see that went wrong for the blue devils particularly in the second half
3: we can't run the ball and we turn the ball over how how about that does
1: that work for you yeah that works for me cool done thanks Uh, uh,
3: look so so first of all i just want to say um uh, duke and nc state clearly only play football once every seven years because these games break football they break our perception of what a game is supposed to be last time we played them there were two kick returns for touchdowns two interceptions for touchdowns this time there are two blocked punts for touchdowns and, and we had a ball that magically teleported through the hands of a Duke cornerback somehow didn't hit his hands and magically appeared on the helmet of an NC state wide receiver for the game breaking uh, touchdown. That play um, that, that looked like it absolutely should have been an interception, um, but instead turned into a touchdown. That that's, that's the difference in the game. That's the thing that shot Duke in the foot. But the real difference in the game is once again, Duke had too many turnovers. We had three turnovers. Duke now has, on the season, eight fumbles and 12 interceptions. 14 of those 20 turnovers come by Chase Bryce. The 14 turnovers by Chase Bryce are more than all but two teams in the country. I want to repeat that. I want folks to understand that. Our quarterback has committed to more turnovers than all but two entire teams in the country. Those teams, by by the way, Georgia Tech and Mississippi State. He has the most interceptions of any quarterback in, in all of college football. Uh, there, there's just no way. I mean, you mentioned Donald, we, we, we got a week off and then a game against Charlotte, a Conference USA team. We, we should beat up on a team like that. Um, not that Charlotte's awful, not by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not even sure Duke's going to be favored in that game. But, but they are not the caliber opponent that Duke should have trouble with. But we must spend this time off, this week off, to get healthier, get rested, and get better at execution and stop these turnovers. And – and I, the running game. I just want to mention it really quick. Uh, we 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 rushed for more than 350 yards against Syracuse. We had two running backs who each ran for 150 plus yards. Those two running backs combined for 43 yards on 27 carries against NC State. I I, I know that we got some yards on the ground from Chase Bryce scrambling around and and fooling the defense. And you know, and and Bryce becoming more of a of a of a runner than we've seen in recent games, and and Chase Bryce got 86 yards on the ground, and that's great, but that's not sustainable unless your regular running backs are able to actually get more than two yards per carry. Neither of our running backs average more than two yards per carry. Um, This NC State team is a pretty good team, and the rest the schedule the rest of the way is reasonably favorable for Duke. But my goodness, we just. We can't have our running backs rush for less than two yards a carry. We can't turn the ball over three times. We can't have a quarterback who, who frankly, barely completes 50% of his passes and expect to win football games. Period. End
4: of story. That's all I got. Jason, you talked about the, uh, the, the would-be interception that turned touchdown for NC State being the turning point. I want to point right to the beginning of the second half where Duke recovers a fumble in NC State territory has the ball beginning the drive at the at the twenty five yard line, eventually ends up getting a, a first and goal from the four and can't convert that into any points. Now I know that it makes sense to, you know, if if you're if you're fourth and one from the from the one yard line, if you're fourth and goal, you want to punch it in and and damn if you, you know, if if you leave your opponent stranded at the one there, but. Man, that, that's a rough way to to start the second half for Duke, and then it was all downhill from there. Bryce's two picks occur in the in the second half there and and, and Duke really couldn't generate any offense. Jason, you mentioned that looking ahead at the bye, one of the things that, that Duke needs is rest. And if you look at that that second half, the way that, that Duke collapsed and, and let NC State completely take over the game, I think rest is gonna be the most important thing for the Blue Devils this week is just recover from from this tough string of games. That they've had and hopefully, you know, catch Charlotte after the after the bye and and maybe steal a win there. And then, hey, UNC was looking good for a while and now has gotten offed by Florida State. Maybe maybe UNC's fortunes are are turning for the worse here and and perhaps Duke gets a gets a good shot at them in a few weeks. But, yeah, this was a rough one, especially in the second half.
1: You, You can't turn the ball over. We we talked about that. We've talked about that all season. Our running game was inconsistent. We've talked about that all year. It's It really has been a, a an Achilles heel some weeks, and it, it was no exception on Saturday. And you got to score in the second half. You know, pitching pitching a goose egg in the second half does not help, even if you have the halftime leave, unless you also uh, defensively pitch a shutout, which we didn't do. And But I do say this. You, you mentioned, Sam, the upcoming games. You know, we have the bye. We, we now have Charlotte at home, UNC at home, Wake at home, at Georgia Tech Thanksgiving weekend, and then close out at home against Florida State. Four games at home, four games that are winnable. I mean, I, even, even with as badly as we've played in some of these games so far, those games are very winnable, along with our rivals who, in my opinion, just not have been as good as their ranking uh, is. And I think they came back down to earth in the last couple of weeks. So we have to do some soul searching while we rest this week. Try to find those things that we do well. Make sure we get ready for them. Figure out how to take care of the football. I don't know if we need stick them. I don't know if we need duct tape. I don't know what we need to keep the football in our hands. But it clearly is a backbreaker if you cannot score because you do not have the football because you gave it to the other team. So we have to limit those turnovers moving forward. There's still a chance to salvage the season. We have the bye week to rest up. Let's see if the guys will respond on Halloween at charlotte we'll talk more about that next week next up we do want to finish by reading one of our wonderful reviews that we received but this one comes with a question that will be sure to be a point of debate among us stick around through this commercial break to find out what that question is All right, guys, we are back, and like we said we would do, we have a nice review to read, and out there, for those of you out there, we highly encourage five-star reviews, and if you leave a nice note, we will read it on the podcast, so make sure you do that if you haven't already. Above all, we greatly appreciate it. It helps us with our searches and and all these other back-end things. We really appreciate it, above all. This week, we have a review that comes from StormRunner107, and StormRunner leaves us with an interesting question at the end. So here's his review. His review goes, amazing. If you're a Duke fan, this is the best podcast to watch. They have kept me entertained during the COVID era, and they have been doing a great job. I have a question, though. Who do you think is the best Duke player of all time? Uh, Firstly, thank you, stormrunner 107 once again, for the review. We greatly appreciate it. And we all saw that question, and we thought, yep, let's answer that on the show. So Sam, Jason, the question, who do you think is the best player of all time? Remember, you can only pick one person, and you got to rock with them forever. Sam, you get to go first.
4: I think there are a few guys that made an impact. So they had to have made an impact nationally in college basketball, right? they you know the the, the types of guys that that are eligible for jersey retirement or would have been eligible for jersey retirement had they stuck around long enough to graduate. So we're thinking here, like. Johnny Dawkins, Christian Leitner, Grant Hill, Bobby Hurley, Shane Battier, Jay Williams. Uh, maybe you include guys like Kyrie Irving and, and Elton Brand in here too. Um, JJ Redick is, is is on this short list. So this is my this is my kind of core that I'm working with. Then I did actually want to think about a little bit about the the NBA and how that talent manifested once they got to the league. And being successful at Duke, you know, going far in the tournament, winning championships, that kind of thing. And then finally, just all around, like, you know, how how well loved are they? Taking all of that into consideration, I'm going with Grant Hill. He's got the two national championships that he won his freshman and sophomore years. He brought the team. He was the you know the, the, the leader of the team that made it all the way again to the national championship game in 1994. He was an all-star. He's a Hall of Famer. He's, he's everything for Duke. So I am taking Grant Hill as my best Duke player of all time.
1: I like that pick. That's a good pick. Jason, do you have for- Grant Hill or do you have someone else?
4: So
3: I went through a very similar process to what Sam did, but I made it easy on myself and I said, OK, uh, you cannot be the greatest player at, at Duke of all time without being national player of the year. So the first thing I did was I looked at our national player of the years and and these guys are Dick Grote, Art Heyman, uh, who I will immediately say, I I just don't have enough knowledge of their game to, to really to, to judge them. Um, against these other guys, so so even though they are contenders, so to speak, I kind of lopped them off, and and that's my own failing as someone who is not old enough to have to have known their games that well.
4: Jason, th- this means that we're going to get a, a an email from DBR user Sage Grouse who's and Jim Sumner. They're probably going to just argue with us about about those guys being better than all of these other players, and and you youngins don't understand.
3: Uh, and and it's absolutely possible, and and it's our own failing. And the, and the failing of video technology from that era that we don't know more about these guys' games. I mean, I, I know what they did. I know what they were capable of, uh, but I, I, I don't feel like I can measure them up against the guys that I actually watched. So that leads me to the next tranche of players. These are all players. Every single one of these players I have seen play live and in person. And the other national players of the year are Johnny Dawkins, Danny Ferry, Christian Leitner, Grant Hill, Elton Brand, Shane Battier, Jay Will, J.J., Marvin Bagley and Zion Williamson. So I looked at that group, and the guy I ended up picking was Christian Leitner. You know, maybe it's a function of my era because I was in school um, with Christian. Um, two national titles obviously carries a tremendous amount of weight. The fact that he hit the huge clutch shots carries a tremendous amount of weight. But, but my goodness, I mean, if you look at his senior year, the dude hit fifty-five percent of his three-pointers. I mean, that's just a crazy number for a big man, for a center. This was back in an era when you were playing against, I mean, men. Men at the center presenter. Christian Laettner had to play against Shaquille O'Neal as a center. And Christian still averaged 21 and half points per game. He was the player of the year in 91-92. I couldn't come up with anyone whose career at Duke We're talking the best Duke player of all time. I couldn't come up with anyone whose career was better. I I will say very quickly, if Duke had won it all in 2019, I might have been on the Zion Williamson train. I mean, if you look at Zion's stats, if you look at what Zion did during 2019, it was truly absurd to do that as a freshman. And then the other two guys who I really considered were Grant Hill and Shane Battier. I'll I'll let Donald talk a little bit more about that because I strongly suspect that we are not None of us are going to have the same guy, and I bet Donald picks Shane. Am I right, Donald?
1: Okay. Both of you had fine choices, and there's a couple of things that I think you guys kind of leaned in on or at least used as part of your consideration that I didn't. The first thing is I only considered the Duke career. I did not consider the NBA at all. I did not.
3: I, obviously, I didn't either. Christian Leitner yeah. had a nice NBA career, but clearly yeah. not the best NBA career.
1: Right. So I just considered Duke stats. And I'm not a guy that believes that the more rings you have means that you are the better player. Okay. Robert Orey has seven rings and no one thinks he's better than Michael Jordan or LeBron James or Kobe Bryant. But I think wins help us dictate how a player made himself an integral part of the team and would help that team be better than their opponent on any given night. And no one in Duke history, won more than Shane Battier. He only missed two games in college. Duke went 131-15 and in his time in Durham with him on the court. The most wins in college basketball history when he graduated. He held that record for 16 years. Four ACC regular season championships, four ACC tournament championships, four Sweet 16s, three Elite Eights, two national title games, and one national championship. Final Four Most Outstanding Player, Consensus National Player of the Year, Consensus All-American. The list goes on. School record for charges, a record that will never be broken a school record for charges. He also had the school record for most threes in the game until I believe J.J. Redick broke that in 2006. And number 31 will not be worn by another player in Duke history. Is busy hanging in the rafters. So I could say everything about Shane Battier, but the fact that he literally helped his team in every single way of the game on offense and on defense to victory more than any other player in college basketball history, a, a record that stood for 16 years, I think that combined with everything else is what separates him from the pack to me uh, and, and I think the good thing is I think we have some controversy because we ha- we all pick three guys that easily you know at any other school you'd be like, yep, that's it, that's the guy We have guys to choose from and there's as both of you mentioned, a lot of guys that can, that were left on the editing room floor that we kind of cut out of uh, cut out of this because you know we can only pick one and we have so many to choose from so I think we're very fortunate in that regard.
3: Toward that end, Donald, there are two guys that that we haven't really mentioned, who I think injuries have shaped things in a way that 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 really might have changed our mind about these two guys. The first one is is Jay Will, who um, who also has has a ring, uh, alongside Shane Battier. If Jay Will's pro career is what I think it probably would have been had he not gotten hurt, then then I think our perception of him might be very very different. Uh, I, I, I'm not alone in the belief that Jay Will might have gone on to have one of the greatest Duke pro careers of all time, given his style of play and given his performance in college. And we were robbed of that. And I think that robs some of the luster of, of his performance in college. Uh, and then the other guy is Kyrie Irving, who we never got to see what that year would have been like. I, I I think based on what Kyrie has done as a pro, there's a really good argument that Kyrie Irving would have been one of those national player of the years. And that Duke team certainly – it certainly feels like that Duke team would have had a really good shot to win a ring. And Kyrie could have been very much in this conversation. I think he might have had one of the great freshman seasons of all time. Um, and he might be in this conversation if it were not for the injury that robbed him of most of his freshman year.
1: I'll say say—I'll say it again. Uh, behind me stands posters from those two teams that you just mentioned, the 2001-2002 team, the 2010-2011 team. Uh, I don't have one of 2018-2019, but I think those are the three teams – since I started going to Duke that I had the best chance, the best teams I thought that did not win a national championship since I started at Duke, which was in 2000. So uh, I think those, if, if those teams have national championships, you see a lot more guys on that list. You see Carlos, or at least up for consideration, you see a Carlos Boozer, a Mike Dunleavy, Jay will, you see, you know, Nolan Smith or Kyle Singler up there or Kyrie Irving as some of these guys that you could easily consider and i think there's even you know before that time you have so many guys that did not win a national player of the year did not go all acc but were so integral to the success of duke that you have to consider them uh, at least as some of the best players of all time that played in the duke uniform so uh, it's really it, it it's a really really good debate to have i'm glad that we picked those 3 because i think those 3 were ones that we all kind of considered more than the others and I think deep down we all knew we would pick all of them so Sam do you have anything to add uh, before we wrap it up
4: I just wanted to come back to Donald's pick of Shane Battier I recently sometime in the last couple days listened to J.J. Reddick's interview of author Michael Lewis on on J.J.'s podcast. And of course, they talked about Shane Battier and Lewis's famous No Stats All-Star article that he wrote about Shane Battier that is now about 10 years old. So as I was listening to it, of course, I, I pulled up the article and read it again. I have probably read it three or four times. And I encourage Duke fans, whether you've read it or not, to just go back and, and give it another read because it is so fun to read about Shane Battier and the effect and the impact that he had on not just not just his team in the NBA but but across the entire NBA and entirely behind the scenes we know that Shane was not the flashiest player but the way that he approached you know thinking about about usage and and thinking about the the areas on the court and all that kind of stuff and the way that the rockets fed him data and 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 he adjusted his game around it is just such a such a cool story and and so Telling of where the NBA has now gotten to today.
1: You know, players who have won a national championship, an NBA title, and a high school state championship, you think there would be a lot of those guys. It's very few. And Shane is one of those guys who have literally won a championship on every single level of basketball. It's something to be said about that. I know I didn't consider high school or the NBA in what I was saying, but the fact that, you know, you have a guy who one, wherever he went and made a team better wherever he went, even if it wasn't, again, in the stat sheet, uh, is something to be marveled. And I think you could say that about a lot of guys who played in the Duke uniform. Again, I want to thank StormRunner107 for that review and for that great question. And now, for all of you out there, we want to hear from you. So chime in on the forums for the post for this episode, or if you want to communicate your thoughts directly to us, and let us all know that I was correct. Send an email to DBRpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review our show whenever you get your podcasts. And again, we will read some of the best ones we see, even if they come with nice questions like Stormrunner uh provided for us.
4: Donald, I need to I I I do need to to question user Stormrunner and if his or her username is a reference to the roller coaster at Hershey Park, why this person thinks that Stormrunner is the best roller coaster at Hershey Park, because it clearly is not. That was a niche shout out for all you, uh, all you central Pennsylvanians who who
1: look, who, I have been to Hershey Park, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I've actually been on that ride.
4: The Storm Runner. It, it's not great. You know, I, I think they hyped it up a lot. And, and I, I'm, I'm more of a great bear guy myself.
1: Yeah, Dooney Park is kind of my kind of my jam, but nothing beats Cedar Point for me it It's hey fun. hey uh,
3: he should he should write to us at d b r at gmail.com and let us know how he came up with that name exactly he could, he does could Storm big, come
0: from he
1: he could just be a big twister fan, so yeah you know, possibly you know, very possible there's a lot of but, places
4: this could have come from,
1: yeah, absolutely, but we will leave it there. And we will bring episode 241 of the DBR podcast to a close. Uh, again, thank you to Stormrunner107 for your question. Thank you, all of you, for listening in once again. And for my pal Sam and Jason, I am Donald. And it is now time for the Duke band to take us on.